Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to River Rock Fellowship Online Messages. I'm Pastor Marvin. Hey, if you're a guest, well, thanks for joining. Check us out at rrf.church. Well, let's just get right into the message today. You know, how many of you are aware that we're about to have a presidential election in just a couple of days? And so I'm going to deliver an election day sermon from both a biblical as well as a historical perspective. So I would also like to acknowledge Gary Hamrick for his wonderful insight on this message. So let me say a few things before I begin. First, you're free to disagree with me. After all, this is America. You may vehemently disagree with me, and I will defend your right, and I pray that you would defend my right to be able to speak. You see, this is America, and that is where we get to dialogue about differing thoughts. The truth is, people with differing political views, you're welcome at River Rock. But at the same time, I will not compromise my calling before God or this pulpit to appease anyone. And the reason is because I fear God more than I fear man. And I am determined to please God versus man. Now, if you do choose to disagree, I would simply respectfully ask that you do in a way and in a manner that is neither divisive or disruptive to the body of Christ. Now, one last thing. As we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24-25, and it reads, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Folks, I'm aware of the platform the Lord has allowed me to have. And we're not to quarrel. But we're to instruct gently. But I'm also aware of the righteous indignation that Jesus displayed, that the apostles displayed, that the prophets displayed when there was unrighteousness within the land. And so you may see some of that inside of me and some of that righteous indignation coming out of me today. And if any time I sound angry, know that I'm not angry with you. Factually, I love you, and I love you enough to share the truth. And so welcome to an Election Day Sermon 2020 titled Kings and Kingdoms. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, I pray that we would have hearts that would be open to seek your truth to seek your will, to seek your way in all things. Lord, help us not to be led by ideology, 
but by the word of God, that it would guide our hearts, our minds. The very marrow of our bone will be guided by the word of God. Lord, come, your will, your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, a little brief history lesson here. Now, back in the time of when America had the colonies and the subsequent years, the pastors, the pastors would boldly speak about social issues of the day, and they would call out the political candidates who were running for office. It was expected that the American pastor would deliver an annual election day sermon. That sermon from all the different pastors throughout all the colonies, that sermon on election day would actually be published so everyone could hear what was said. Now, faith and politics have been intertwined from the very beginning, from the founding of our nation. Did you know that in 1776, when we declared our independence, that the churches throughout the colonies were demanded, the pastors were demanded by the Continental Congress to get under the steps of the church and to read out the Declaration of Independence to everyone. This is how they would get the message out to all the citizens of the Declaration of Independence. It was the pastors who led the charge with the American Revolution to sever the ties with Great Britain because of the oppression and the tyranny of the government of England that, in particular, the oppressive tyranny upon the religious freedom of faith. Pastors led that charge. Pastors like Jonas Clark, like William Emerson, like Ralph Waldo Emerson, they all formed militias to fight the British. And then there was Reverend John Peter Mullenberg from Woodstock, Virginia, who on January 21st, 1776, got up to his pulpit and found his way to read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 8. And he read, A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And then he said, the pastor said, this is no longer a time for peace, but a time for war. And there, all the ministers would always wear a black robe. There, he would zip out and took off his black robe to reveal that he was wearing an a officer's uniform of the Continental Army. He walked to the very end of the sanctuary, to the back, turned around, looked at everybody in the sanctuary, and said, who will fight with me? And 300 men got up out of their pews and they followed that pastor. Friends, pastors and Christians have long been involved in government and politics from our founding. So what went wrong? Why are so many pulpits and pews silent today? In many ways, it's because we have not known our true history. And we've been lied to about the Constitution. Some may ask, but what about this thing of separation of church and state? 
Again, a perfect example of being misinformed about our history. Now that phrase, separation of church and state, is not found in any of our founding documents. It's not in the Constitution. It's not in the Declaration of Independence. It's not in the Bill of Rights. It's not in anything. Not in our founding documents. So where did it come from? Well, in 1802, when Thomas Jefferson was president, he wrote a private personal letter in response to the Danbury Baptist Association there in Danbury, Connecticut. They had sent him a letter requesting clarification about the First Amendment and their freedom of religion. And so, in response to their letter, he writes this. And part of the phrase was, building a wall of the separation of church and state. He made it very clear to them that he was writing that the First Amendment protected them from the government infringing or overreaching into the church as it was in England. That's what separation of church and state was all about. The government would have no influence on the local church. That there would be no universal national religion not the other way around. But about 150 years later, well, that phrase from a personal letter was flipped and twisted on its head. And all of a sudden now, it was being used to say that the church could not have any contribution or influence or impact on its government. And that's just not true For the first 200 years of our history, the churches were the ones who impacted society about politics. George Washington, in his farewell address in 1796, he said this, quote, Religion and morality are indispensable supports of our political prosperity does that sound like anything of separation of church and state as we understand it today not at all if you're a christian then we need to wake up to the fact that we are in a battle we are in a war this is not a game it's a spiritual battle that we are facing for the heart and for the soul of america for the heart and the soul of the lost who need to find salvation in Jesus Christ. Folks, it was Edmund Burke who said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. Folks, I just cannot remain silent and do nothing. That would be evil. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor in Germany, and he was part of the German resistance that opposed Nazi Germany. Bonhoeffer said, in quote, Silence in face of evil is itself evil, and God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. The Nazis executed 
Bonhoeffer in 1945 at the age of 39 because he stood up for righteousness. Let's get to the word. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 6, 16 and 19 through 19. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. This is key. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But, the Lord says, but you said we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, you nations, you who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. Hear, you earth, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my laws. Folks, I don't say this to be dramatic, but to be emphatic. Because I truly believe that America is truly at a crossroads. And I feel like today God is calling the church to sound the alarm. So that we could recognize the importance of standing at the crossroads and looking and asking for the ancient paths. What's that a reference to? It's a reference to the ancient truths of God that are timeless, including the Ten Commandments. Our crossroads represent the polar opposite political parties that are facing us today and their polar opposite visions for our nation. Folks, we just completed the Ten Commandments series and found out just how relevant and real they are for us today. They're timeless. And I pray you will look to them and contrast the two parties to the Ten Commandments. I realize that for some folks, they may still lean to the idea that the church should stay out of politics. So I ask, I'm asking, were these men of God that I'm going to speak about were they, throughout history, were they being too political? Let's go to 1450 B.C. His name's Moses. He demanded that Pharaoh let God's people go, even calling down consequences, calling down the plagues when the king failed to comply to God's wishes. 870 B.C. His name's Elijah. In the name of the Lord, he challenged King Ahab and his advisors for their ungodly godly policies and procedures at Mount Carmel, or 29 A.D. Should John the Baptist have been quiet rather than confronting King Herod about his immoral lifestyle, even though it cost him his ministry, and actually it cost him his life? 30 A.D. When Pilate said to Jesus, don't you realize that I have the power to free you or to crucify you? Was Jesus too political when he replied, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above? 31 AD, 
Were Peter and John getting too political when they publicly refused to comply with the government authorities who told them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus? 54 AD, the Apostle Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus in such a way so profound, so powerful, that it, it impacted both businesses and, and religion in that whole region. 1775, in early America, would you have joined Pastor Jonas Clark in Lexington, Massachusetts, when he led his church and community to form a militia and face the British in the War of Independence? 1830, how political was the second great awakening preacher, Charles Finney, when he passionately called for an end to the slavery of men from the pulpit. 1954. The separation of church and state being honored. Was it being honored when George McPherson Dowdery preached a sermon that convinced President Eisenhower to include under God in our Pledge of Allegiance? 1963. What about the civil rights, rights disobedience of Baptist minister? Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who led the civil rights marches that breathed life into the civil rights cause. Were all these men of God being too political, or were they just being biblical? Of course they were being biblical. Somehow, in the American Christianity today, we think that God and faith is to be integrated in every area of our life. Into salvation, into our marriages, into our family, into our workplace, into our neighborhoods, but not into our politics. We say, God bless America. But the Christian faith is somehow not allowed to contribute in the area of politics. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, do you think that she integrates her faith into her politics? Or do you think Rashida Tlaib integrates her faith into her politics? Absolutely they do. In fact, for those of you who are not aware, Former Vice President, Vice President Joe Biden has already publicly declared that he will be adding Muslims to his, his administration on day one. I, I, I share, and now I encourage you to go to this link that's going to be on the screen, and you can view this video for yourself on YouTube. And he speaks about it himself. See it in his own words. I share this not to disparage Muslim Americans. The fact of the matter is that as a Christian, if I want religious freedom, then I must want religious freedom for all faiths, even if I disagree with their faith. This is America. Everybody should have a right to worship in freedom. What I am saying 
is that as Christians, that somehow the believer has come to believe the lie that faith and politics do not mix, or that pastors should stay out of that. It's just too divisive, we think. Then, with that kind of heart, with that kind of apathy and silence, do you realize that that kind of reluctance is actually helping to advance the doctrine and the dogma of other world religions and secular humanism to influence this nation and not the Word of God? Now, 2020 has been a difficult year, to say the least. No doubt about it. A global pandemic, race relations, riots, defunding the police, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, council culture, the woke culture, a contentious presidential election, a fight over a Supreme Court justice seat, exposure of media and social media, media and their censorship. I mean, is anybody ready for the year 2021 yet? (laughs) I'm ready for a new year. How about you? But the truth is, the truth of the matter is that turning the page on the calendar to a new year does not turn the hearts of people. Only Jesus can do that. So, as Christians, we have to see everything in our world through the lens of Jesus and the Word of God. So, enough of the history lesson, and here's a little Bible lesson. One of the earthly institutions that God ordained and put in place to help mitigate human behavior and in, is, in our human life is government. In the book of Romans, it tells us that the purpose of government is basically to cultivate the good and to punish the bad or the evil. See, it says in Romans 13, 4, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Again, in other words, God's intent for government is twofold. To cultivate the good and to punish the bad or the evil. You know, folks, as Christians, we are to vote based on the policies and the procedures of government, not on a candidate's personality. Why? Because that is what will affect the daily life of society. A nation will rise and fall on policies and on procedures, but not on a person's personality. When you look at the two parties, which policies and procedures best come closest to most represent your Christian convictions, truly your biblical worldview in order for 
our government to advance doing good and to punish those that do bad. For example, Black Lives Matter. As an organization, was it truly all about black lives? If it is, then they should be the very first to picket and to protest at every Planned Parenthood clinic. Her name is Margaret Sanger. She is an avowed racist. And she is the founder of Planned Parenthood. She wrote a letter to a guy named Clarence Gamble on December the 10th, 1939. And I quote, Margaret Sanger, the founder. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. End quote. She put those clinics in black neighborhoods and people of color so she could exterminate them. How come that's not taught to us? So here is where we engage the biblical worldview by evaluating political parties and the political platforms. So what political party is all about funding of Planned Parenthood. What political party is all about abortion on demand, which has exterminated 18 million precious black babies alone in the United States of America? What's happening in our nation? This is happening on our watch as the body of Christ what political party is embracing Black Lives Matters that, has, that was founded, admittedly so, on Marxist ideology? They want to dismantle the family. They call for advancements of transgender rights. They promote defunding the police. They want reparations for drug dealers. And until recently had all this posted on their website, their statements of beliefs. Again, which political party embraces this organization? So let's get specific. What do these parties, red, blue, Democrat, Republican, what do the candidates believe? So let's play a little game called Guess the Party Platform. What I'll do is I'll read you the party platform regarding a particular issue, and then I'll read the other party's one, and then you tell me which one represents the one closest to the biblical worldview. Okay? We'll start with religious freedom. We value the right of America's religious leaders to preach, and Americans to speak freely according to their faith. We believe the federal government, specifically the IRS, is constitutionally prohibited from policing and censoring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs. We pledge to defend the religious beliefs and rights of conscience of all Americans and to safeguard religious institutions against government control. Religious freedom, next party. We celebrate America's history of religious pluralism and tolerance. 
and recognize the countless acts of service of our faith communities, as well as the paramount importance of maintaining the separation of church and state enshrined in our Constitution. So which platform, one or number two, most closely resembles a biblical world view? That's right, the first one. The second one is the democratic platform. And I don't think they bother to study our nation's history. The phrase separation of church and state, it is nowhere in our constitution. It is not enshrined. Let's continue. Let's go to marriage and sexuality. We will fight to enact the Equality Act. We will work to ensure LGBTQ plus people are not discriminated against when seeking to adopt or foster children, protect LGBTQ plus children from bullying and assault, and guarantee transgender students access to facilities based on their gender identity. We will ensure that all transgender and non-binary people can Procure official government identification documents that accurately reflect their gender identity. The next platform, marriage and sexuality. Foremost among those institutions is the American family. It is the foundation of civil society, and the cornerstone of the family is natural marriage. The union of one man and one woman. We oppose the opposition of a social culture revolution upon the American people by wrongly redefining sex discrimination, reshaping our entire society to fit the mold of an ideology alien to America's history and traditions. Is the first slide or the second slide closest to your biblical worldview? The second one, of course. The second one is the Republican parties. Listen, the vice president candidate on the Democratic, on Democratic ticket is Kamala Harris. She has boasted that as an attorney general of California that she was the first one to perform a same-sex marriage. This is her ideology. And this is what would come into the White House. Joe Biden on a town hall forum just a few weeks ago. When asked by a mom who had young children, he said, I believe it's perfectly acceptable for 8 to 10-year-olds' children to define their own sexuality. Have we lost our mind? Let's move on to a, one more area. Folks, we could do this all over and for, for many more lengths of time, but I would ask for you to do this. We'll do one more. We're going to do life. This one says, the Constitution guarantee that no one can be deprived of life, liberty, or property. Deliberately echoes the Declaration of Independence proclamation that all are endowed by their Creator with the inalienable right to life. Accordingly, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental right to life, 
which cannot be infringed. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution and legislation to make clear that the 14th Amendment's protection apply to children before birth. The next platform, life. We will support U.S. Supreme Court justices and federal judges who will respect and enforce foundational precedents, including Roe v. Wade. We believe every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. We oppose and will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to women's reproductive health and rights. Which one closely represents your biblical worldview? One or two? Slide one was, of course, the Republican platform. Folks, this is a no-brainer. Trump is the most pro-life president America has ever had. His policies prove this. He is the only president that has ever attended one of the marches of life in Washington, D.C. The only one. Folks, the Democratic Party is no longer the party of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It's no longer the party of JFK. It's no longer even to say it's not even the party of of Bill Clinton. Did you know that under Bill Clinton's administration, the Congress passed the Defense of Marriage Act? Clinton signed it in law, and that, that Marriage Act actually defined marriage for federal purposes as between one man and one woman. In 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional. But President Bill Clinton actually signed it. Things have changed. The Democratic Party is now the progressive liberal party of AOC, Rashada Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren. Folks, if you're a lifelong Democrat, Your party has left you and has left your Christian faith. For many years, people viewed the two-party system as a system that was balanced because they had the same vision, but they had differences and different opinions. And they would play off on each other. In the end, they were promoting the same vision to advance America and its people. I don't believe that today. I believe there is a liberal, progressive agenda influenced by spiritual forces of evil that if allowed to progress, it will be the demise of America and our nation, which is called, we are called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, Donald Trump is not our Savior. Joe Biden is not our Savior. Jesus Christ, He is our Savior. And because Jesus is my Savior, 
And as for me and my house, I cannot, I will not vote for a candidate whose party platform advocates the murder of unborn babies, embraces same-sex marriages, encourages transgender behavior, ignores God and His Word in our culture. I just can't do it. I won't do it. Listen, if you can't vote in good conscience for President Trump, then don't. Then don't. But I do not know how a Christian, a Christian in good conscience, can vote for an agenda and a platform that is evil and against the word of God. It says in Proverbs 14, verse 34, Godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. His name's Dr. Erwin Lutzer. He was a pastor of Moody Bible Church in Chicago. And he wrote a book titled, When a Nation Forgets God, Seven Lessons We Must Learn from Nazi Germany. He quotes in his book about an eyewitness, a German eyewitness, who reflected on what was going on with the Holocaust and the Jews. So this individual writes this quote, and I read it from World War II. I lived in Germany during Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but tried to distance ourselves from it because that could only, because what could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle in the distance, and then the wheels coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars week after week. The whistle would blow we dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that we could hear the cries of the Jews en route to a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we would sing more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. Years have passed, and no one talks about it anymore. But I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. God, forgive me. Forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians, and yet did nothing to intervene. Folks, we cannot as a church, as a people of God, ignore or remain silent about moral issues of our day. To do so is not only cowardly, it is to be complicit as well. Do not sing more loudly 
Instead, stand up for what is right. Declare the truth and live your life in such a way that God is glorified. Trust Him. Look to God as a supreme judge on who sits on the throne. And may God be exalted and may His enemies be defeated in our nation for His glory. His kingdom come and His will be done. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray for each and every person. Lord, who's watching this, may they be convicted in their spirit and in their soul. May they be challenged in their mind and recognize how serious it is to be a citizen of the United States. And Lord, what it means to not separate their faith from their politics. That their faith dictates how we vote. Oh God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Your word tells us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. In Matthew 6.33, and all these things will be added unto us. Father, I pray blessing on your people. I pray that as they go to vote, they would vote from a biblical worldview. And we would lift your name on high. We love you, Lord. We pray your will, we pray your way in this land, in this nation. In the name that is above all names, our Savior, our champion, our King, Jesus. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you vote. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.